Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing high-performing teams for distributed agile development. And this episode, we have Jardina on again, and she's going to be talking around transformation and CTOs, or rather, transformation leadership for CTOs. So welcome, Jardina. It's great to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Jardina, just for uh, for people that didn't uh, join us in that absolutely amazing webinar previously, introduce yourself. Who, who, who are you? What do you do? My name is Jardina London. No, no coincidence with your your lovely city there. Um, and I do uh, agile transformation work. So at the organizational level, we connect the dots of all of the things that we do to help organizations change in a way that we're also making it so that people can have he- happy and healthy, productive lives at work. Excellent. Yes, that's good. And in terms of the previous webinar, which was around uh, structural agility, uh, do you want to give a, a very short introduction as to what that was? Because I think we're going to be covering some of that in this talk here as well, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Yeah, it was really about how do we use structure in organizations to create agility, right? What's that underlying foundation and underpinnings that allow us to be adaptive and responsive? And how can we model our organizations more after living systems and less um, modeling them after machines? Right. Not that we're not throwing machines away, but we've really modeled our organizations as if people were just being fed in through machines. And now we're saying, can we make it more like a living system? Yes. And, uh, and we'll provide a link to the, uh, to the webinar on this podcast page and uh, on the website. So, uh, and if you're interested in, in the work that Jardina and Sally do in this area, who was the other guest that was on that webinar, um, we have their contact details so you can get in touch with them directly. Fantastic cool. work. Great subject. So, Jardina, on the subject of this podcast, uh, let's cover some obvious things. So what is transformation? So transformation, when we think about it in terms of organizations, the definition of transformation is literally change in form, right? You are changing form, transforming. Um, so what does that mean in an organization? It, it is the idea of a paradigm shift, that we, are lit- that we are literally changing our approach and our underlying assumptions of how we work, right? which is a lot of what we you know. It's everything that we do, but the work itself. Excellent. So, uh, and, and in terms of leading transformation, I, I've got an idea in my head what that is because I've worked with these fantastic men and women that do this. So in terms of lead, leadership and transformation, do you want to give a quick description on that? Yeah. So leading a transformation is a, it's one of the tougher jobs out there today and becoming more and more popular. So a lot of people are taking on this role as part of their job that they have now or as it's a job of its own. Right. But the way I look at transformational leader is, so you we're leading in a different way, right? Well, if you think about the difference between um, a technical challenge and a, or sorry, a technical problem and an adaptive challenge, it's not something that you can, that has a bunch of check boxes and an answer, right? Right. It is this more very complex kind of flowing thing where we need to create conditions for change rather than dictate um, and prescribe a change. But when I think about a transformational leader, I say it's part spiritual leader, part work manager, and part inspirer and part community builder. Wow. Right. So because you are, and I say spiritual leader, um, not in a religious way, but just sort of like you are connecting to this human system 
that you're transform you're transforming a human system. You're not transforming a machine. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you need to be able to connect to these people as human beings. And that's what I mean by spiritual leader. You do need to manage the work. You need to inspire and you need to build that that human system as a community. Yeah, that's that's quite interesting. I because I see organizations very much what's my perspective? My perspective is organizations are two systems the operational one, which is the processes, uh, mm-hmm. the business as usual, making sure things are in place. And then the social system, which is the human element. And they're both operating at the same time. And and it's the interactions between the two. So yeah, I kind of resonate with your perspective yeah. around around that side of things. One of the things I'm, I mean, I can imagine it's really difficult being a transformation lead. It kind of almost makes me think, why would somebody want to do such a difficult job? Well, <laughs> it's a calling. So a couple of reasons. It's a calling because you want to take responsibility for changing the world around you. Right. Right. So you feel a need to to make positive change. And that's why people want to take this job. But I think about, um, I mean, it is, it's a tough job and it doesn't have, it's, it's a thankless job. Mm. But those folks who want to make change, take it. And then I always tell people, if you're taking this job to get a promotion or to, you know, for any other kind of reason like that, really promotion, I guess, is the main one or, or for to, to look good on your resume. Yes. Don't take this job. Yes. Because it, you may end up looking good at the end and you may not. But if that's why you're doing it, you're going to fail. Yeah. Right. This needs to be a job. This is for the true believers. Yes. But it's it's the job of a CTO too, right? So even if your job's not transformation lead, a CTO's job is transformation lead by definition nowadays. That's right. Yes. And uh, and e- even from uh, my days as a kind of agile scrum master and agile coach, you know, we were always coming across what I ref- kindly refer to as dysfunctions within organizations. And, um, and, and it's interesting you say this, it has to be a calling. And for me, the calling out of my software industry work, I was a C++ programmer and electronic engineer for many, many years. And my calling out of that was, was exactly that. I wanted to transform organizations. Technology organizations should be a key differentiator for the business. Yes. Not an order taker. Yes. So when I hear uh, technology organizations saying to the business, just tell us what you need and we'll do it. That's order taking. Mm. Like that's that's a very customer customer centric order taking. But that's order taking. Yes. So you know, positioning where you're partnering, you're really partnering with the business and helping them use techno- leverage technology in new ways. That's where you want to be as an organization. That's right. It's just kind of speaking to the business agility piece. Really, it's having more of the organized parts of the organization breaking down some of their bar- boundaries to to participate and, and 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 actually reflecting on many of the businesses I've worked for in the past, many of them are technology companies now with a specialization in a particular market. For example, banks are heavily, heavily technology driven, uh, but their specialization is banking and money and investment. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I've been quite lucky where most organizations where I've worked, the software engineers are you know, are best left to themselves and just asked her to deliver stuff. But as you, as you kind of uh, hint there, they, these boys and girls are really, really intelligent. You know, they, they, they know a lot. I'm not saying other departments don't, but they know a lot. And it's a kind of missed opportunity to, to tap into that resource, you know? That, that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we want to be able, and there's this whole notion of don't let the technology people talk to the business people. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, part that of it one? is because they're so darn busy all the time. But the other part of it is like, oh, we can't let them talk to the business. Well, you know, 
There is a lot of has been written and a lot to be said about some of the cultural differences between the way technologists are just not culture like mm. nationality culture, but just cultural and the way the business is sure. But let's address that mm. instead of hiding it, right? Instead of suppressing it. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that. And just kind of speaking to uh, IT Labs, I mean, one of the things that we're doing there is that we're bringing operations into uh, into other aspects of the organization because ultimately they're the ones, these boys and girls do the work, they deliver the work and, and allowing them to see what's coming up, um, having their input as to what they think about that. Uh, it kind of creates a beautiful feedback internal feedback loop as to as to where organizations go so yeah I, I, I mean it's working really well for IT labs and um, so I, I totally agree that uh, that other organizations are missing a trick you know by not doing you know this. it's interesting so agile um, was really kind of designed to have it, one of the principles is that business people talk with technology people every day or something like that I'm probably misquoting it but um yes but in reality what it's become in a lot of organizations is, the product owner is the one who talks as liaison yeah. and none of the programmers and testers get to right so yeah. it's been adapted to fit what was not yeah that's right i agree and this is where i i feel sometimes that kind of product owner role the, the representative of the customer within the organization I mean, it's a it's a great concept but it, it's just made the wall less thick but the wall is yeah, still there yeah exactly you know? when i was a geek and and when you were maybe jardina as well I always used to be really fascinated with the business. I really wanted to at least kind of participate in some of the meetings or go and see the customer's sites, understand what we were building towards to kind of build up that bigger picture. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, champion that idea of technology people getting out of their, their uh, kind of um, workshops or, you know, the, the technology rooms and out, out to where the, this stuff actually gets used to kind of listen and get that feedback. Um, they'll have a perspective mm -hmm. uh, on what's been said, you know, um, and maybe even be able to explain themselves, you know. Um, so um, the next part, the next thing I have on my list to kind of discuss is CTOs as part of the transformation, which we've obviously kind of touched mm -hmm. on already. So what are the elements that make a good transformation? Yeah, so, um, so one of the key elements is that there's at least as much, if not more, emphasis and priority put on developing the people and the capability of the organization over yeah. putting emphasis on what, what I would call performance, but it's like getting the code out the door. So if you want me to become, to learn to be a leader, to learn to collaborate, to learn all these wonderful things and understand the business, that's got to be at least as important as getting the code out the door. Otherwise, I'm always going to have to get the code out the door. And that's what happens today. We're so busy. We're way right. too busy to worry about all this soft stuff, about learning new technologies, about developing our leadership skills, communication skills. We're way too busy for any of that. Of like, well, we need to get all yeah. new people because our people have old skills. C++, right? Nobody wants that anymore, right? But it's like, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because you won't let anyone take training on anything that they're not directly working on. They have no time to, even if you did let them. And then it's like, well, yes. well I wonder why they only know COBOL. Well, they only know COBOL because they're working in COBOL 12 hours a day and they've never, they, it's not like they're incapable of learning some kind of new yes. programming language or new technology is that they don't have time to, and no one cares. Yeah, that's right. It's almost like people, the busyness of these kind of technology departments and parts of the organization paint themselves into a corner, you know? Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that you kind of mentioned there is that you're so busy to be able to even do the training. Uh, one of the things I've noticed previously um and, and not, i'm not entirely sure the leadership always 
see this um, is that there's not enough of a gap or space for people to do anything other than mostly most of the time is uh, firefighting you know it's literally on you know on the edge it's never there's never any space to be creative there's never any time to be uh, contemplate what might mm -hmm. be good and of course training you yeah. know so it's a uh, so yeah, so if I have no room for any of that, then you can't then turn around and say, oh, our, we don't have any of these technology skills, right? I mean, yeah. that I need to go be able to learn things that we're not using so that I can bring them in and tell, and we can learn how to leverage them. You'll never learn that. It's like almost like the learning yes. can only come after we've made the decision, but you're not going to make the decision because you didn't get the learning kind of screwy. It, it is, it is. And there are companies out there um, that I'm, I'm aware of, including IT labs, I must say. Is that where they have very kind of strong programs around creating T people, you know, um, people that are that are, are highly skilled in one particular area, but they have a very good understanding of other aspects of the technology stack, if you want to call it that, or other technologies that are up and coming. Therefore, um, it kind of creates this lovely uh, cross pollination of ideas, first of all, and secondly, if we do decide to shift in a particular direction, to these companies they can, they're able to do that. The capacity is there to be able to yeah. shift, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and and there's also the element of, I guess, looking after the people, because if they feel like they're growing and learning within an organization, that creates a whole kind of psychology around their feeling towards the organization as well. Yeah, and they're gonna bring them be their best selves to work. Yeah. So you asked me the elements that create good transformation. So it's that making sure that you're prioritizing, being able to adapt and develop the organization, managing priorities across stakeholders. Right. Right. Does that resonate? I'm oh, sure absolutely. That resonates. I felt I felt the wince then. IT is one of the few organizations that have this clash of people requesting things and needing things that is not clear what the priority is across. Right. Right. So this is a solvable problem. Um, this is maybe not an adaptive challenge. This is kind of a, a solvable problem. It's just someone you need to kind of take the reins of knocking those heads together and getting the prioritization across your stakeholders kind of throw their hands up and say, hey, I have 10 masters. And so they're not, I can't say what's a priority. And that's just not true. Like you need to get those 10 masters in a room, yep. force them to prioritize together because it's all for the same company. So coming back to the uh, the question of what's what's worked uh, in transformation for you, Jardina, what, what have you seen? As a CTO, if you don't have a good relationship with your business partners, that is the problem to solve. Right. That is the challenge that you need to address because that everything else is going to if you can deliver all the code you want, if you have a bad relationship with your business partners, you're not serving the best. You're not serving the best needs of the business. So building that relationship, building trust between the business and IT is the most important job there. That is what you need to work on. Um, I know people think some some companies think that that's impossible. Um, but trying to just um, hurry up and get a bunch of stuff done is not the answer. Yes. Right. There's there's some CTOs, if you're not already, really need to be good at navigating that human system. Yes. And and being and positioning their organization and, and being a diplomat. Yeah. Yeah, totally. When you describe that, I, I, I totally, I mean, it all, it all resonates with me because that kind of people element. Uh, in fact, the... Uh, the five dysfunctions of a team. I know we're not talking about teams here, but yeah. the but the lower echelons of that uh, pyramid are trust, you know, uh, and and if you don't have that, then everything built above it is going to be pretty shaky um, and possibly quite dysfunctional. 
Um, yeah. So in your experience, have you have you seen, um, I mean, obviously we want to try and talk about the kind of positive stuff around transformation, what have you, but have you seen situations where that trust isn't there and it's kind of gone very curly at the edges? Um, it's often not there. And I have seen it turn around. And Excellent. the way that it turns around is instead of trying to be all things to all people, um, IT creates some boundaries mm. of what we can and can't do and is honest about that and starts delivering something instead of promising to deliver everything. Ah, right. And th- right? So I actually got you, I, I know I, pr- I know you need 10 things, but rather than not get you any of them, <laughs> I give you some status. I'm giving you one. I mean, that's an agile lean kind of thing, right? Is mm-hmm. managing your work in process. But that starts to buy some goodwill if I'm at least delivering the most important thing. Yes. Right? That starts to buy some goodwill and um, some engagement and, and then letting the business in on what you're doing, right? And what the challenges are. So we didn't used to do that. Yes. We they like, they don't understand, they don't understand technology. So we're just going to make it, put a bunch of fluffy words in there. Yes. And by really exposing what's really happening. Yes. Um, IT departments have bought a lot of goodwill. Yes. I, I, I totally agree. It's, um, and if they don't understand what you're doing, then, then it's really important that you do what you can to, to help them understand, you know, from a place of helping them uh, get there because uh, you know it's easy for us to kind of give up if somebody doesn't understand the technology and if the business people aren't familiar with it well that's okay you know we'll, we'll help yeah. you we'll help you understand that you know and and then maybe they'll have a perspective on that maybe then they'll understand why things are difficult maybe they'll understand why things uh, take longer etc cetera, etc cetera. they get a perspective on on the work being done yeah yeah and and so that's a beautiful thing with agile um, one of the agile practices that i love that's hotly debated right now but is the estimation like planning poker? Yes, because and, and I let the business people play in that game, and they always say, "Well, how am I supposed to know?" <laughs> you don't, but we would love to know that you think what you think is two days is two months. Yes, like that's important for us to know, and then talk about like why is it two months? Yeah, like, and and it's I can't say it's never happened where the business person says, "But why can't we just get a plug-in from you know from a software company?" And the people go, "Oh." Right. We could just get a plug in. Right. Yes. That that has happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's not just because they don't know that they can't know yes. that they can't have an idea. Yeah. That's that's a really good example. How it kind of feeds both ways, because sometimes we have a perspective. It's just about uh, in the context of this conversation it's about technology telling business, but business actually feeding back some value. I mean, there's smart people on all sides of this so-called boundary. You know, they they all have their perspectives. And also, I, rem- I recall a time when uh, a team wanted a particular bit of technology, bit of software, and the license was was ridiculous, was astronomical. And uh, we had some ideas of things, what we wanted to do with this bit of software. And uh, so we found out the price and rather than the business people make a decision and or even me as the, as the kind of uh, the lead in this particular area, um, I just gave it to the team and says, this is how much it costs. Do you think it's worth it for what we're about to do? And actually the team decided no. They said, yes. we'll figure it out. In fact, one of the things that uh, emerged from a, from a technology perspective and software perspective is, is that somebody said, oh, I know somebody in another part of the organization that might have a license we can use. So we made a huge saving just by giving uh, these, uh, the, these boys and girls that I was working with the decision. And they felt really good for it, you know. And, and again, it kind of tra- changed that whole perspective of, oh, t- you know, we don't get what we need and what have you, you know, so... Yeah, so that's good. I love that is it worth it conversation because I've seen that so many times where it used to be like they ask for it, we do it. 
Yeah. And now it's, here's what you're asking for. Do you know how much it's going to cost? And then the business people say, no, what? That's totally not worth it. I didn't know that when I asked for it. Yeah. Yes. Right. And that's a beautiful conversation to have. That's right. It's, um, I'm kind of imagining layers of communication. You, it's communicating things at different levels of the organization's understanding. Um, you know, so understanding the cost, uh, understanding the time, uh, understanding the, the load on the existing resources, you know, um, Great idea. However, this is the impact it has, you know. Yeah, um, it's not the most important thing for us to do right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, I, I always like to kind of talk about good stuff around around the subjects that we have on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like to touch on uh, on some of the not so good stuff. So so where have you seen it go horribly wrong, really wrong? Uh, transformations? Yes. Yeah. <sighs> the, places where, <laughs> the places where it's always it's always hard right? It's whether or not you can come overcome those difficulties. It's always hard because you are in an old system working on a new paradigm, right? So uh, as a transformation lead in particular, you're trying to, within the old paradigm, push the new paradigm. And that is a dance that you need to do. So if, if you're pushing too hard into the new paradigm and the organization's not yet ready for it, you'll get booted out of the system, right? The system kicks you out, essentially. Like if you think of like throwing a marble into a spinning wheel, it's just going to get right out. If you move too slow and you're too agreeable, then you're just part of the old system, right? You're not making any real change, but everyone kind of likes you, but you're not making any real change. You're not offending anyone either. So those are the, mm. the I mean, it's too fast, too slow are the two modes of failure. Um, so it's finding someone that can walk that, balance that line between pushing enough and not pushing and knowing exactly where to push and when. Yeah. And uh, what comes up for me from a kind of coaching experience on one-on-one clients, I, I like to have a kind of clear conversation around, you know, this is what's coming up and, and this might, this is going to be difficult at times, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not trying to kind of paint it as to be something rosy that's going to go well. Yeah. So I do that too. I love the normalization of saying, of letting them know it's going to be difficult for sure. Um, what I found is that um, people don't understand what a paradigm shift is really like. So even though I tell them it's difficult, they think it's their paradigm of difficult is hard work. And this isn't, this is different than hard work. This is like shaking you to your core, right? Shaking your self-worth, shaking like your emotional state, hard work, right? It's not like I need to work a lot of hours and do, you know, produce something. This is not that kind of hard work. And I don't think people know what to, that this is the kind of hard work to expect, like, you're going to be under, you're going to feel really bad about yourself. So be, mm. better find a way to get grounded because you're going to be shaken. <laughs> yes. It's having that kind of almost uh, coping mechanism. Um, we know we're going to go here. How do we, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting one. I think that's a very enlightened conversation to have in organizations. We're going to make some changes. This is going to be tough. And we need to design of how we're going to handle that. How are we going to walk that tough time together? And, and from the social system perspective, the people perspective of the organization, you want to create some capacity. Uh, I call it social capacity, the ability to take tough knocks, you know, and be able to get back up again. So let's say, for example, you've got an organization that has the ability to be able to take hard knocks. They're already run down. Things are tough. Everything's kind of crazy. Everyone's fed up. Well, how do you deal with a transformation in that kind of context? So there's a couple of things there that I think you can do. One is when I look at an organization that wants to transform, I look at solving that acute pain first. 
because I can't, and I give the example of a nail in the hand, right? I can't come tell you that it's really good to, um, you know, meditate or go running when you have a nail in your hand. Yes. Right. So I need to, we need to do something about the nail in your hand. So if I approach an, there's lots of different ways that organizations have nails in their hand and having them be run down and demotivated and, and is, is really another, is just another nail in the hand. Mm -hmm. So can we use some of the transformation to help solve that problem? Like which part of transforming the way we work can help solve that problem? Wow. So either, either we can use some of the transformation for it, or we just have to go give them first aid. Right. Right. But you're not going to get any kind of process implemented while people have nails in their hands. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to talk to some of the other pain points uh, that CTOs, CIOs, and uh, people in the C-suite kind of experience is this ability to uh, scale up and scale down. Um, in the context of transforming organizations, do you deal with that capability? Do you, as part of the transformation, create that capacity to scale up and scale down? Yeah. So I think we know how to scale up and scale down, you know, using contingent workers, and we have all kinds of methods for doing this. Um, but again, having a grounded identity as an organization is going to make it much more seamless for people to join the organization and be able to be productive mm. than when things are chaotic, right? So creating creating that identity is is probably key there. Cool. Excellent. Anybody listening 10 years from now, hopefully the coronavirus lockdown is over by now. But in terms of the, the current uh, disruption around coronavirus, I can imagine a lot of transformation programs have kind of got a big pause button pressed on them. Uh, have you got any experience of them being restarted or heard of people restarting transformation or are they still on hold? Yeah. Um, so some folks are actually restarting them. I do have um, some information about that. I mean, I've heard about this going on. But when I think from a from a CTO perspective, right, it's what is your strategic approach to restarting business? And what I'm hearing is two different things, right? There's two different approaches. The first one is, and I'm hearing a lot of this, is what I would call fortification versus um, building adaptiveness. Yes. Right? Maybe those are the two, the two appro potential approaches. When I think about fortification, and I think that um, it's about building up supply, right? Um, uh, building up, yeah, building up supply inventory, whatever that is, or kind of building some security and, and moat and becoming risk averse to make sure that we're ready. Yes. That uh, has me a little bit concerned because we're building fortification instead of building adaptiveness. So when I, when I think about the what happened here in New York, um, it was that now they're saying we want to make sure all the hospitals have a 90-day supply of everything. <laughs> I think it's mostly the protective clothing, uh, PPEs, but it, yes. it, it's a lot of stuff that they're saying we need to have a 90-day supply of versus because we didn't have it and the supply chain was broken. Um, versus can we look at the supply chain and see how to make it more adaptive or what they did, for example, which was um, stand up makeshift hotels, actually a ship came in with beds in it as a, a floating hospital from the Red Cross. That was or Red Cross or wherever it came from. So that's an adaptive way to handle the problem and, and make things flexible versus like, let's just expand all the hospitals so that they all have enough beds to handle 20 times the amount of patients that they normally have which maybe mm. that's not the right solution. Yes. And then the other thing for, um, in terms of COVID that I would say is there's a lot of focus right now on, we need a ton of digitization to handle life as we know it now in a digitized way. Right. Right. So that's happening and that's totally awesome. We're having lots of advancements in technology, but I would really encourage people to look at it of what technology do we need 
for life to be in a different way than it is now. So for example, we're very globalized. I don't know if that's going to continue. So what? So we're using technology to handle a globalized world. What if it's a localized world? Mm. What kind of technology do we need then? Yes. Right. So, and what happens to the supply chain when we are more localized? Yeah. Right. Or what? What changes to the supply chain do we need to make it more adaptive? Like things like that. In, in a different world, what technology do we need? Not what technology do we need to continue to be like how we are? Sure. Yeah. I guess um, when you talk about the kind of fortifying. Uh, mm. um, that that's kind of a knee jerk. It's a, it's almost like a panic, you know. Let's just lock it down, and yeah, it, it's not very adaptive at all. And the situation's changing all the time. It's very unagile, in fact, you know. Yeah. Well, I've heard lean, lean, and agile be blamed for a lot of the challenges we've had with supply chain because, right, lean was about just in time inventory. Yes. Right. That was a lot of what it is. So now that we don't, we then we ran out of inventory. Um, so is the answer like lean was the bad guy or is there some way we can adapt the things, the advancements we made and maybe adapt them further? Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. So in terms of, you know, what's coming up, technology industry and, and hopefully as we kind of come out of this very, very challenging time, what do you see? What do you see coming up in the transformation field? You kind of touched on it a little bit there. Um, in the transformation field, I think uh, continuing where we've been going if you, if you look at where we need to go is that being adaptive and being responsive is the, we are in the right, we are moving in the right direction. Good. We just need to maybe change the way we view being adaptive and responsive. Right. Right. What would you say, turn the volume up on it or kind of um, adjust it depending on the situation? I think we need to expand the scope of it. So we've looked at being adaptive and responsive in a very narrow way. Right. Right. Like within the boundaries of what we have, let's be adaptive and responsive. And I think we need to widen those boundaries and say, not just how do, can we be adaptive and responsive within, you know, our product set, but our whole organization, like how can we adapt and respond and take in more information? That's great. And, and in terms of aspirations going forward, what are your, what are your hopes uh, for innovation in this kind of area? It's already getting better, but really what I would see as my aspiration for um, technology organizations in particular is seeing techies as whole human beings. Cool. Right? Not fungible, not code jockeys, <laughs> but actually whole human beings that can contribute to the betterment of the business. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I agree there. And I remember when, when I was uh, in that position, we were very interested in getting involved, N not to be in those departments, but just to understand them. You know, they just seemed like there was these kind of there was this kind of fog between us and the rest of the organization. We never quite knew what was going out there. Mm -hmm. And um, and very rarely were we kind of called into these kind of other areas. And um, and there, there is that. We do have ideas. I mean, talk, talking from a technology person myself, uh, you know, we're smart individuals and we've got lots of different perspectives. I, I'm going to say I'm smart. I, I don't know if everyone else would agree that knows me, but uh, you're smart, aren't you, Jardina? <laughs> I, I don't know if everyone else that knows me would say yeah, that. So it's, <laughs> but other techies are definitely smart. Yes, yeah. It's, and they, they see, it's interesting when you get different people, different groups, you, you get lots of different perspectives. And if you're open enough to listen, I think this is the other key in organizations, is to really respect what others do. Sometimes in technology departments, for example, people look at the marketing uh, department in a particular way. You know, they, mm -hmm. they just run around doing shows and drawing graphics and stuff you know um they've all got important roles just understanding how you can support them okay it's not about you delivering something and that's done it's it's got to be it's got to be important that 
what you're delivering is actually of use you know it's an outcome that makes a difference to them you know yeah yeah and i think every human being wants to be a part of something that makes a difference yes yeah and uh, you kind of mentioned the souls at work this is something that you're very passionate about um, um, for me, it's uh, I, I refer to it slightly different as a hum- humanity at mm-hmm. work. You know, it's that kind of human element, and um, and this is what I feel sometimes is people see it as too much of a soft subject and a bit kind of woo woo, bit out there. I mean, I've got my my kind of uh, perspective on that. What, what, what would you say to people saying it's not important or come on, you know? You know, so there's a tons of studies that I don't need to um, prove it myself that happy people make productive work, right? I mean, that's, that's been proven many, many times over. So it's good for business. But the point is, I, for me, it's like, so we want to do things to make the business more productive. Why? To make more money. Why? To grow the company. Why? I mean, if you do like the five whys on this anytime, it is always because we want to have better, better, happier, you know, healthier lives. Yes. So that's always the reason. If that's not the reason, why would we do anything? Yes. So when we talk about bringing your soul to work, that means, you know, more than just your head, right? It's like your whole self and your, it's even more than your whole self. It's like what's inside yourself, your spirit. Mm. Um, And if we're not doing it for that, why would we do it? Yes. Why does anyone do anything? Yeah. Yeah. And when you don't pay attention to it, you know, it comes back to bite you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know that. Yeah, that's right. And you see the burnout, you see people just, uh, just kind of, I mean, we used to joke sometimes with certain types of work and in the environments in particular, I don't think it was the work, it was environments. And, you know, we used to joke, oh, we've lost the will to live, you know, kind of thing, because we were absolutely bored out of our brains. I mean, it's a horrific thing to say, I know. And, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, it, it does sometimes. Yeah, that is a horrific thing to say. <laughs> and the other thing I hear people say, like soul crushing work, like, yes, yeah, I mean, who wants to do soul, cr- soul crushing? That's pretty extreme. Yeah, that's right. And then not getting creative about how we get I mean, sometimes his work doesn't need to be done. You know, um, I remember working on a, a, a command protocol called TL1. Maybe some of some of our technology folk out there know what that is. And, and uh, I had to kind of go through the the manual for it and, and and check that the code was aligned to it, you know, and it was hard work. But the thing is, is that I, I, for me, that kind of human element side of it, um, I knew the work needs to be done. It wasn't particularly uh, distributed well, you know, um, mm. so there's, there's a kind of looking at the human element. How can we make this interesting? How can we game it? How can we get more people to help, you know, uh, and it's being about creative and also then mot- motivating people to keep going. I truly believe that if you are doing meaningful work and have it's meaningful to your and it's nourishing your soul mm. and you're connecting with other coworkers um, in a meaningful way, yeah. that you don't need anything to motivate you. Yes. And you don't need any gamification and you don't need like there's you don't need to do anything because the work and it, it's intrinsically motivating, right? That's intrinsic motivation. But, you know, we we do all these things and we give these people soul sucking work and then we try and figure out ways to motivate them. Yes. Yeah. Right. So instead of putting your energy into figuring out how to motivate them, figure out ways to make that work not suck. Yes. Very good point. Oh, I wish you'd have spoken to some of my bosses in the past. Yeah, Gina. Uh, well, I wish I spoke to some of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and the other thing is obviously uh from a business perspective, I'm kind of coming now down to the numbers and the hard kind of business stuff, you know. Um businesses want to reduce cost. They want to they want to they want to reduce waste and they want to increase revenues, et cetera, et cetera. So from a transformation perspective, in the context of CTOs, CIOs, and what have you, what, um, 
what what would you like to say towards that? I mean, d- does it make a difference? Have you seen it make a difference in terms of the bottom line? Oh, yeah. I mean, there has been so many advancements in ways of working that we haven't taken advantage of in most companies. Uh, I mean, I can't even think of one company that's actually taken advantage of everything that's out of the all the tech, I say technology, but the advancements in managing work that are out there. There's so much of an opportunity. To, I mean, really, if you just do one, there's like so many small things you can do to dramatically improve the productivity um, that I don't. It's sort of interesting that it's um, it's being rejective rejected because it just doesn't fit mm. what people's culture accepts. Yes. So we kind of have to make make some room for some of these advancements to come in. Yes. And I guess it's that sense of experiment. And uh, if I could use the word adventure, you know, yeah. uh, and, and again, it's that um, uh, we, you spoke around this in the webinar around the kind of polarities where you've got a very stable uh, work environment that kind of knows what it's doing. It's processed up. You turn the handle. And then you got one that's a bit more flowing, more flexible, adapting, experimenting, trying new things. You know, mm-hmm. and do, and do you and is this one of the reasons why companies come to transformationalists, transformationalists like yourself? Is it is that to get that flow and and adaptation, or is it is it just to save money? You know, it it's all about money if you're running a business, right? So to save money, to make money, whatever it is, but it does it does. Um, never fails to surprise me about how people will resist the very thing that they're asking for. Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, really to fix or to change some organizations to make more money is so easy, but they just won't do it. Mm. And so that's where the, that's where the human element comes in. Right. Because I can tell you to limit your work in process and you'll make more money and get more stuff out the door. Um, but you won't do it. Mm. So then we got to go to the human system. We got to go to the woo-woo stuff <laughs> because that's what's going to stop you every time. I mean, we talk about culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? Yeah. So, but then we then we say, oh, but that's woo-woo. Well, you just told me that it ate it for breakfast. So yeah. let's get woo-woo now yeah. because yeah. stopping your strategy. That's right. Yeah, it's people kind of getting, just be a bit more open-minded about the benefits of this, you know? And, and again, just experiment. If it doesn't work, then, then you know we gave it a shot um, but yeah. but it's having that kind of open mind to say well let's yeah. give us a real kind of go but in terms of numbers you know i always talk about the one client i had a couple of years ago um just simply by shifting i mean i didn't do all this transformation stuff i did a couple of small things the one thing that i did was just have them shift the way that they put the value up front right right they de- deliver value sooner is the way you would say it in agile sure. so we shifted the projects to break them up and deliver some value sooner rather than waiting till the end for across, you know, a hundred projects. Wow. I mean, they doubled that revenue. They doubled that financial benefit anyway. Some of it was cost savings in six months. I mean, they wow. got their year, they got their year target in six months and they were kind of like, wait, what happened? Wait, check those numbers. Like, <laughs> that's the, and then, and that was, you know, a big number. It wasn't yeah. a small little start startup. And so that's the, the advantage. That's the potential that's there. That's right. But and, and that was just, I mean, we hardly did any of the things that were on the plan. That was just like the one little scratch the surface, like, here's a place we can start. Yes. I mean, there was a lot. And I tell my, I tell clients all the time, like, they say, well, what, you know, what can we expect to get if we do what you say? I say, I don't know, like 8x of your revenue, but you're not going to do it. But I, I'm confident saying if you did everything I said. Yes. 8x. Wow. I don't deal in, I don't deal with the little percentage sign. I only deal with the X. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty impressive. So any of you uh, business folk out there, Jardina, Jardina is your uh, lady on this, you know. Um, and, and we've had conversations around this before. Uh, 
um, you know, in terms of what are the kind of cost savings. And I love your confidence around, I know I can make these savings. You know, you tell me what the problem is and I'll tell you what, what the savings can be, you know? Yeah. You know, I had someone today, I was reading an article and they said one of the, or it was a webinar uh, from the London School of Business. And they said, um, you know, under promise and over deliver. What kind of crap is that? No, I'm going to over, I'm, I will over promise. Yeah. Because there's a big opportunity out there that you have to realize that you're not taking advantage of. And I'm not going to understate that. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I've just kind of looked at the uh, time, Jardina. So, uh, um, you know, is, is there any kind of final thoughts you want to leave us, leave us with? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the thing to think about is transformation is different. Uh, transformation requires a different way of thinking and, um, and it'll be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So, so thank you, Jardina, for joining us again. It's always wonderful to speak to you. Um, hopefully Thanks. we can carry on the conversation after this and, um, thank you very much. And we'll, we'll pass on your, Pleasure being here. thank you. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll pass on your uh, contact details as part of the podcast. And uh, if you have any kind of questions, obviously, uh, Jardina's, uh, uh, I, I assume, uh, interested in hearing from you if you've got any, if you've got any kind of questions around what we spoke around today. Absolutely. Please reach out. So thank you very much and uh, goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Well, as always, it's wonderful to speak to Jardina. She has a huge wealth of experience and knowledge, a real thought leader in the transformation space, in my humble opinion. I really believe that. And before I leave you and close off this podcast, I want to share with you my biggest takeaway. Hopefully you have some of your own. So you, the CTOs and your communities play a hugely important role. And I want to encourage you to play to that importance even more. The business needs you not only to deliver what it asks for, but to work to deliver what it needs through you and your department's eyes. You have a wealth of knowledge and different perspectives that are valuable to the organisation. So I encourage you to get involved in the business and HR discussions the sales and marketing discussions, and the operations. Your input to these different parts of the organisation are a big factor in the organisational success going forward. Understand what's going on. Bring your input. Bring your ideas. So, my challenge to you who are listening, turn up the volume on your participation in the business as a whole. That's my call to action to you. So this is TC Gill, IT Lab CTO, signing off. And don't forget to subscribe to our channels. Keep safe and keep well and continue to look after each other.